Hallo, hier ist Alexander Waske und Sie hören den Functional Tennis Podcast. Welcome to episode 34 of the Functional Tennis Podcast. This week, we speak to Alexander Vask. Alexander is a former top 100 singles player, top 20 doubles player, and set up his academy in Frankfurt, Germany. Alexander works with some great players and has worked with some other great players, which we'll talk about. And he also currently works with Jonas Fortek, the young 18-year-old who was at one stage world junior number one last year. He won the US Junior Open. And you may have seen his video using the tennis pointer as a 12-year-old who has unbelievable hand-eye coordination using a wooden spoon to hit forehands with. He tells us all about that. He also tells us about academy life, what he looks for in players, advice for players, coaches, parents, and a lot more. It's very insightful. You're going to love it. But before we get started, if you're new to the podcast, please hit subscribe button. Shout out to our podcast sponsor's head. I've recently been trying their new version of Djokovic Speed Racket, which I like, but I'm going to say it's not as nice as my Radical, but we're giving a shot. It's definitely an improvement over the last speed. And let's get started. Hi, Alexander. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Thank you. Great to have you on board. I first came across of the Alexander Vasca Tennis University as I saw on bags around some tournaments. I saw some coaches walking around with the bags. I'd never heard of it before and I was always curious. So I went off and did some research and this was last year. So I've been following you ever since. I've posted some of your videos. I have you on our academy, our top academy list. So it's great to finally speak to you. Thanks for that. Like just going through your resume, I see you've worked with some great players in the past, be it Kerber, Melzer, Hassa, Barankas, and even now you're working with some great players and especially, let's say, on the juniors, you're working with Jonas Fortek, who won Grand Slams last year. Such a great junior. His strokes are amazing. Anytime we post them on Functional Tennis, it's they're really amazing. Yeah, fantastic. And you're also working with a couple of the players on the Belgium Davis Cup team, Loris Delore, Bellemans, and yeah, a few more. That's You're doing, you're busy. Not me. Uh, we are a team here, so it's it's not me. We're working together with um, a couple of professionals here. So we have tennis coaches, fitness coaches, physiotherapists. It's always a, a team effort here. Tell me a bit about Academy. Where is it based in Germany? We are approximately 15 to 20 minutes from Frankfurt Airport, which is, in my opinion, a great location as the international uh, airport gets you anywhere in the world and mostly direct flights. So um, you're in the center of Europe in, with Germany and Frankfurt is the center of or the middle of uh, uh, Germany. So um, it's easy for us to access uh, anything here in Europe uh, and even long flights. I mean, everything or usually everything is direct. So we save a lot of time by by this and also Frankfurt's been my hometown so I've been I grew up here I know uh, the area I know everything here so that's why we're here It's great to be in such a central hub be it juniors playing tennis Europe tournaments or ITF tournaments or futures 
challenges it's a good hub to be because there's so much going on in Europe and also for the flights as you mentioned but tell me a bit about your academy your facility how many courts do you have what's your setup like there mm-hmm. yeah we started 2010 I started very very tiny we had one player and uh, one coach uh, we built the thing from scratch we are here uh, working at the federation we have uh, four indoor rebound ace courts we have outdoor rebound ace courts and then outdoors we have also uh, five clay courts. We have a gym. We have 10 rooms to sleep um, for people that come in for a weekly base. And then we have other options for our long-term customers that can um, sleep in our TU house that is a bit uh, outside of the site. And then um, we have other apartments as well. So everything is basically here on site. The physiotherapy, um, everything that we need, the restaurant. Um, so yeah, it's it's not the largest site. We can't compare this to the large uh, European academies uh, like Moa Toklo and Rafas. We look for very high quality on our courts. And um, I think we're achieving that so far. I think the small academy, the smaller academy, sorry, not the big, more that look more commercial like academies. The small ones seem to have a better, more family atmosphere. And something you mentioned is you like to build character in the players you work with. Can you tell me what do you mean by building character with your players? Yeah, if you're getting young people in here, they're having a lot of influences, left, right, parents, media, friends, other players, and so on. At the end of the day, I believe that building a good character, and I'm going to come back to that, will make them successful people. Nobody can guarantee a professional career of them making millions of euros and stuff like this. But if they are hardworking, if they are focused, if they're disciplined, if they work hard on on reaching their goals, if they take a setback, if they take a loss and get back up on their their feet and try it again and again and again and again, this kind of character will succeed in life. So I think that our number one priority or our number one job is to create personalities that will succeed in life. And then they will always be happy that they've been here. Um, no matter how good they end up in tennis. Great. And how do you do that? Can you give me an example? Sure. We set clear rules. Um, It's also a lot about uh, talking to the kids, making them understand why we do certain things. And for 10 years, I've been um, busting uh, my uh, dot, dot, dot to get an atmosphere here where everybody works hard. And all the kids that we have now, I'm, I'm really happy about this they're really into getting better. So you can always spend your whole day playing computer games. You can spend your whole day going, I don't know, out at night, drinking, blah, blah, blah. Or you generate an atmosphere where everybody works hard. And if there's one kid that doesn't work hard, the other kids don't want to practice with him because it's it's also for their benefit, for their practice. So I think that we are getting there, that the intensity here is very high, that there's a clear plan of how they should play and that they really spend time with their game and their strokes. And they, they have to write a journal of what they've learned throughout the day. They have to visualize at night what they've done and the next steps that are there. We make individual plans for them. We make individual schedules. And at the end of the day, you also need to have time for for the player. If you have 50 players to take care of uh, at the same time, it's a zoo. So our coaches have four to six players that they take care of. And I don't think that they can do more. So um, that they have enough time to to talk to the player and to also know what kind of personality they are and what they're struggling with, uh, what their issues are right now. I mean, Tell me if somebody, if I want to apply to come to your academy, 
what do you look for players that send you emails to say they want to come train with you? Yeah, yeah. What we don't do is we don't sign any contracts through the internet. We don't do that. We have to meet the player, find out if it's a fit. We want to see if we really like working with that player. And at the other, on the other hand, the player has to tell... I mean, usually it's the parents that are also behind this. Uh, the player has to say, this is the place where I want to be. This is the best place for me in the world. I don't want to go anywhere else. Then we can find a way. But I, I want a very, very clear and, and strong commitment for this. And this place is not perfect for everybody. I mean, there's other academies out there that are doing a fantastic job. And um, certain personalities will like this here and other personalities will prefer something else. True. Yeah, you're right. If you try and fit everybody in, I think your structure is all over the place. Yeah, I agree. If you want to make everybody happy, you're going to gener generate a mess. We're going to have strict rules. I mean, we're German. So if you come one second late for practice, you, your practice is over. It's, it just doesn't happen. You run for the day. Yeah, we also work very early. You know, we start in the morning at 7.30. We organize and structure as Germans do things and this is our strength we are probably the worst dancers and other countries show us how to party um well we we are good at other things one of my best friends uh fabian is a german and definitely knows how to party i i don't know where he didn't <laughs> learn it in germany he traveled a bit so definitely did a stint in the states i think that's where he picked it up yeah it could be so you start early in the morning what's a typical day so for your let's say for your teenagers there's no real typical day because when you run a periodization, you have weeks where you work really hard and then you have weeks where you work less and you regenerate more. So we work up to 10 sessions a week. If the players practice full, then they have a Monday and a Tuesday where they have two tennis sessions and two fitness sessions. On Wednesdays, they have one tennis session and one fitness session. Thursday, Friday, again, two each. Saturdays, one tennis and yoga. That's a tough week here. But again, we also have other weeks where we watch that the players are doing more mobility, more regeneration, more stretching, uh, more physiotherapy. It really depends on what, uh, what the week is planned for them. You're taking a lot of boxes there. The one thing I know is that the coaches care here. They really work hard. Some of them travel 20 to 25 weeks a year with their players to the tournaments. They really care. And that's what I really like. Um, nobody here looks at the clock all the time and says, oh, lesson is up. I always say we don't teach lessons, we coach players. And different thing for me. So, Time watching is always a bad characteristic if the people are counting the time. I know one player we feature quite a bit in the past few years is Jonas Fortek. He trains with you and he was world number one junior last year, won Grand Slams. How long has he been training with you? Almost six years now. At that time, we didn't really have a junior program and he was recommended to us and we had a look at him and I fell in love right away. And I knew that this is probably the best hand-eye coordination that I've ever seen in my life. So, yeah. Oh, no, just jumping in there, did you see the video with the wooden spoon? Yeah, yeah, who hasn't? I mean, this <laughs> is one of the most popular videos in tennis, I would say. So, you know what? I'm going to send you a video just for you, and you can post it on your site where he hits with a wooden stick now. Oh, yes, that is amazing. You can see how that looks like. And then we have another junior now who's 12 and who's hitting really well with it. And he did hit with Jonas. And Jonas told me, Alex, I think the guy's better with a wooden stick than me now because, you know, I haven't hit with it for a while. So um, I think that was quite funny. We sell that wooden spoon, wooden stick now. We've been selling it since October and coaches love it for all levels of players. We've seen some 
professional players use it and we've seen a lot of juniors use it. But can you tell me, what is the advantage of warming up or using the wooden spoon? It's the hitting point. It's uh, the sweet spot. I mean, it doesn't allow you to um, to hit unclean. It uh, corrects your uh, hand-eye coordination. You would have to leave the head and the eyes on the contact point in order to hit clean. And this is something that, I mean, is, is being taught in the first tennis lesson if you're a beginner to look at the ball and this is something that players at times lose. If they play hours and hours and hours, they become a bit sloppy at that. So I like that in order to get the focus again on hitting very, very clean and in the middle. And if you are a junior playing with a spoon, a coach has a spoon, how long would you recommend that the coach uses a spoon with the player for? Something like uh, maybe twice a week, five to five to ten minutes, not more. That's enough. Just jumping in here, we don't normally do this, but uh, considering we're talking about the tennis pointer and we sell it, the tool that Jonas uses a 12-year-old and soon we'll be posting a video about. We've probably posted it now, but it'll be in the show notes. Uh, we've 10% off the tennis pointer. If you tap on the link in our show notes to the tennis pointer and use the code Alex, A-L-E-X at the checkout page, we will have 10% off it's only available to listeners of this episode. We won't be posting about that anywhere else. So make the most of it. 10% off using the code ALEX at checkout. And if any questions, just drop me a message. Okay, back to Alexander. That's what we've been saying. No more than 10 minutes, just as a warm up. Yeah. Get their feet moving, get their hand-eye coordination moving. Yes. And yeah, so, so it's great to see that you still use one with some of your players. And yes, please send me on that video. I would love to see it because mm -hmm. obviously the whole world has seen Jonas as a 12-year-old yeah. back home. I'd love to see Jonas today using it because the latest video we had up of him was, I think he was doing it a day with head. They were filming, but uh -huh. he was just hitting forehands cross court. Yeah. And his forehand is so smooth. Yeah, he's been struggling with his strokes for a long time, even though you think he's so clean. But you have to see one thing. He was always a head smaller than all the others, always. So he was reaching a point when he was like 15, 16, where he would get very unclean with his technique because he would throw in his body because everybody was playing faster, was serving faster, was hitting harder. So if his arm couldn't develop the power, you know, you, you kind of have to do something if, if you have to battle all these guys that play harder. So we had huge discussions with him and I told him that's not the way. And he said, but I'm getting killed out there. And I said, I understand, but it's it's a part, you have to find a tactical way to get around it, but do not kill your strokes and, and throw yourself into the shots. You're going to make so many more mistakes. It's not going to work. And very, very late when he was 17-ish and after he started growing and now he, he reached 180, he grew a lot in the last year and then he was finally at a physical position to play with these guys. And then his smooth technique, his... His stamina came in and and made a big difference. And I think the other big difference, and this is a really nice story, I think, Bastian Zovampatep, who's been working with him for all these years here, one of our coaches, he had a very long talk with him at the end of the year last year. And they went through every single match that he played. And they came up with 14 matches where Jonas couldn't say that he was fighting 100%. 14. So when he won US Open, Basti asked him, so what's different now? You know, like, and Jonas only said, the only thing I'm fighting for is to tell you zero at the end of the year. <laughs> and he said it. that 
Yeah, and he said that he won US Open without playing one incredible match. So in every match, he did some good things. There were always some strokes or some things where he felt he didn't do it that well. But he always found a way to win. He always found a way to be more efficient or more successful. Join over 10,000 people who have downloaded our free match and practice PDFs over at functionaltennis.com forward slash downloads. Our match and practice PDFs help you plan and evaluate your matches and practices. We have some other free downloads there for you too. So make sure you go over to functionaltennis.com forward slash downloads. Do you think that before he was 17, before he grew and you said, look, you have to figure out other ways to beat players, not with power, that that really stands to him now that he has power and also has the mental capability of finding different ways to beat players. Now he's both packages. Yes, I actually really like that part that he grows a bit later because the guys that grow early, their only response is hitting harder, more power. And they're really struggling later on if power doesn't get them through anymore. So guys that are a bit smaller in the beginning, they have to find different ways. And if they add power later on, as you said, it just comes in as an additional uh, a weapon. But they still have these other possibilities. It's a bit like the younger brother who always gets chased around by the big brother and he just doesn't have yeah. the strength. So you have to figure out either you get, you're quicker than the bigger brother or you figure out other ways. So I agree. And Jonas is a smaller brother. I mean, his older brother is on the national team in skiing. And I don't know if you knew that, but Jonas was also, when he was under 14, I think he was national team skiing in Czech Republic. So they also told him he could have a professional career in skiing. That's amazing. He's a bit like uh, Novak Djokovic. Was he a, no, his mother was a skier. He probably skied, but Yannick Sinner was a national champion skier also. Yes, yes, I read that. Do you think skiing helps tennis players with their balance? I just think that these guys are so good that they could do it in, in, in many other sports. Maybe, I don't know how good, but I think if Rafa and Roger had become soccer players, they would also play on a very, very high level. I don't know if they would be world champions and, and Champions League winners, but maybe the best German tennis player that we, that we would have now plays soccer in the second division in Germany. Who knows? Probably, probably. But Andy Murray was a good soccer player. He played really high level and had a choice to take it to the next level, but he chose tennis. So I do agree with you. These kids or guys are extremely gifted and no matter what they do, I think they'll make it. Uh, to what level, I don't know, yeah. but also the hard work. I think their motivation, the work that they can do, that also pays out. And yes. No matter if they're business people or whatever they do, I think it really works out. 100% agree with you. Yeah, so that's, I'm really looking forward to following Jonas's progress this year. May get him on the podcast at some stage. We can for sure organize this for you. Um, you just have to see that he has a rough time right now as he's finishing school in May. So that's why I think that his progress will slow down a bit now because he just, you know, when you're finishing school, you have to study a lot. So he has to do this by May. And then after that, he can fully focus on the sport. Yeah, no, that, I think the school stuff is really important. We had Kaya Juvan on the podcast last year and she said she skipped the US Open. I think she was main drawn to the US Open and she skipped it to finish her school exams, which look takes a lot of courage to do stuff like that. So I think he's doing the right thing. And there's plenty, he's only, he's only 18, 19 this year. Yeah. So there's plenty of time to to not get burnt out. Yeah, There's a lot of discussion, especially in my country, Ireland, about we can't get a top 100 player. You've coached top under players. You've worked with, as I said, Kerber, Melzer, Hasser, Brankus, and 
you're working with other guys now. What makes a top 100 player in your eyes? What allows them to break through? It would be so easy if it was just one thing. Uh, usually building a player is like a puzzle. There's technique and tactics and physics and uh, a little bit of luck involved at the right timing, the schedule. There's a lot of things that you have to do. But one thing I believe in is consistent work. I think that the player that gets lucky is the one that earned it by working harder. Kind of. I think you need to find a way to build a body. We have to watch out nowadays that we don't practice too much tennis and nothing else. Um, we will have physical uh, problems in the end if we do that with the kids. And then you have to find a healthy balance with school and, and tennis. I would say parents becomes more and more of an issue. Parents that uh, involve themselves all the time and uh, spend their weekends with the kids at the tournaments causing a lot of pressure. Yeah, there's, I would say there's a hundred topics easily that we can talk about why this, this is happening. But I think one of the main reasons is Ireland and sports, what are you guys good at? Or what is, what is your, where's your focus? Tennis doesn't come early. So again, what I said before, I think your best athletes are probably in rugby or in soccer or something like this. Maybe not in tennis. True. I agree with you. It's actually... Over here, they play a local game called Gaelic. It's a game like soccer, but you can pick the ball up with your hands and you can score like they're like rugby goals and the players don't get paid. So they do it all. They work and a lot of them are younger, like they're probably in through college, but they train. They train harder than football players and they work full time. They're training twice a day, seven, eight times a week, playing a match and they absolutely love it. And it's the first game they play. They'll sooner do that, not go to England to get paid for to play soccer. Like that's the passion they have for this game. So you're right. Tennis is a bit further down the line. There's not that much funding. So obviously when you lose the big pool of players, that doesn't help. No, what you have to do is you have to get the best athletes to start playing tennis. So you have to start very early in the kindergartens and the in the preschools and stuff like this. And we have to get them to play around with the ball and then eventually move them to the tennis court. If you do that, I think the chances are much higher that you produce players and then you obviously need a good system on on how to how to build players. Different surfaces. I don't know how many clay courts you have in Ireland. I'm, I would assume you are more of a hard court. That's my next question for you. Over here, we've some indoor centers but we've mainly outdoor artificial grass courts. I want to ask you, what is your initial thoughts on that? That's terrible. That will never allow you to really develop a player. That's what we know. And it's such a struggle. I'm in a nice club here in Ireland and we've some great indoors and outdoors. We have artificial grass and we got one clay in this new artificial clay, which is really good. They have them in Mortogaloo. And now the push is to get five more. But you're combating old members who think artificial grass is the only way forward. They don't want change. They're afraid of the clay, destroying the beautiful building. And it's such a, I think personally, it's a bad mentality. Yeah, it's great to hear your opinion. And you say, look, artificial grass does not help young players develop and learn skills. Not at all. Not at all. It's it's counterproductive. You need hard courts and clay courts to play on. And the hard courts should not be the ones that are the fastest. 
We play on rebound ace, and I think that's a very good option because rebound ace has a higher bounce and usually doesn't get so fast after a couple of years. The other hardcore companies, they you have to resurface more often, and they become much faster after a couple of years with the sun and the and the rain and everything. So um, if it's too fast, you're going to get away from being able to play proper tennis. Yes, no, I agree. You don't learn the skills and the different styles, and yeah, it's bad. But we're going to end this on asking you for advice for players, coaches and parents. I know we you touched on parents uh, there. So what's some advice for 15-year-old players around the world who want to become pro players? Yeah, my advice is uh, you do your homework. You look at a couple of places that you feel are working professional. And I would try out there for like a week or something and then get a feel of what place in the world suits me the most. Where do I like the coaches the best? Who has the best system for me? And then to stick to it long-term. Parent-wise, I can strongly suggest I always compare it with a company. Parents are the board of directors. They are not working in the company. They are not behind the cashiers. They are not in day-to-day. They are supposed to check the numbers every three, every six months, something like this. Yes, they are obviously keeping in touch with their children but they should not get involved in their tennis career. They should not discuss with them about their forehand. They should not uh, ask them, why did you lose to that guy? You beat him last year, all the above. The relationship should strengthen between player and coach, and the parents should be in touch with the coach a couple of times a year, and then always get a download on what's planned and what are the next steps and so on. And very much stay away from from, from coaching too much at tournaments. Um, yes, I'm not saying you shouldn't ever watch them, but give the coach the chance to see the matches because otherwise they cannot improve their game. And tell me finally, for coaches who work with players, a lot of times we, we give players advices, parents advice, but what about advice for the coach who are working with these high-level players? Our approach to this is very structured. To have a very, very clear idea I don't know, you said 15, so how is uh, that boy playing when he's 21? What is your idea behind this? So if you see this guy, I don't know, with a big forehand, maybe he's not the tallest, so he has a very good kick serve and a lot of variety in his serve and mixes up the pace as well, but still sneaks in well and and covers the net uh, with his pace and not with his size, maybe. Okay, well then build this player. Start now developing to the moment that he's 21 and that he has these weapons. Because if you look for too much short-term success, he will put in the ball, he will hope for the other one to miss, and probably the other one will miss eventually, and you may win a couple of more matches, but you will not have a 21-year-old with weapons. So I always love it if my coaches develop a long-term plan for a player and um, fill this with life. And then we really have a clear idea on how this kid can be successful and sometimes even copying it from one of the successful professionals. We have one that we want to copy to become a Fonini. Maybe not so hot-headed, but uh, game-style-wise. Yeah, so um, finding his strengths and and seeing why is he doing this well and why is he why is he winning so many matches? What is he doing so well? And uh, can you copy this? In, interesting, interesting. Yeah, no, that's that's some great advice there. 
and I appreciate it. It's been great having you on. And maybe one day I'll get over to your academy to check it out. You're always welcome. To get some advice when I'm over in Frankfurt. But yeah, thank you very much for coming on the show, Alexander. Whenever you come here, you see so much in tennis. I'm also very happy to listen to your advice then. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm not sure what I, what I could offer you, but uh, always happy to chat. Great having you on. I'm always happy to learn. So that's what my coach in America taught me. He's, he always said he's a learner. He's uh, over 60 now and he keeps learning, he says. And this is something that I took. Uh, he's, he's one of my idols when it comes to that. And I want to keep learning too. So I think that probably everybody has to teach you, can teach you something if you're actually listening. Yeah, we, we'll end it on that. Keep your ears open and never stop learning and listening. Good. Great. Bye. Thank you. Ciao. Hope you enjoyed that chat with Alexander. It's been a while since we had a coach on the show, so it's great to have him on to get some advice, to get some info on his academy and players. Thank you very much, Alexander. Next week's show is going to be another exciting show. We have Denis Shapovalov's physio, Stefano De Piero on the show. Really great chat I had with him and can't wait to share with that. So make sure you hit subscribe button. Remember, check out our pointer and we've 10% off only for podcast listeners so really excited to get you to check that out and finally get out there go hit some forehands and enjoy playing tennis bye